We're thankful to have uh, so many here this morning in light of the, uh, the uh, Ontario Singing Kitchener. Good number to be here still. And we're thankful to have also with us uh, visiting minister, Brother Misha Papuga from West Akron. Um, I've tried to convince him to try the English language, but he says he's not quite ready for it. He's a Serbian preacher in West Akron, so, but he's going to assist this morning in, in prayer. Um, having said that, are there any greetings? Lord willing, because of the, um, the folk, Father in heaven, we give you thanks and praise for your many blessings bestowed upon us, which we are not deserving of. We thank thee for the opportunity to gather together at thy feet for learning in freedom. For even this very day, there are those that profess the name of Christ that are being killed, that are being persecuted for the word's sake. And Father, we pray for them and for their families, but we also pray for grateful and thankful hearts for being able to gather together freely. Help us not to take it for granted, but open our hearts as you opened the heart of Lydia. We pray and ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I wasn't planning to mention the disciple of Christ, Lydia, in the prayer. It just came to my mind. And uh, on that note, I'd like to turn to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Then came he to Derby. And Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman which was a Jewess and believed. But his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him, and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they all knew that his father was a Greek." And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Now when they had gone through out Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, They essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas, and a vision appeared unto Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord hath called us for to preach the gospel unto them. 
Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia and the next day to Neapolis. And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia and a colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house. And abide there, and she constrained us. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us, and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days, But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm. For we are all here. And he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes, and was baptized. He and all his house straightway. And when he had brought them into the house, he set the meat before them, and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. And when it was day, the magistrates sent the sergeants, saying, Let those men go. And the keeper of the prison told this saying to Paul, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. But Paul said unto them, 
They have beaten us openly, uncondemned, being Romans, and have cast us into prison, and now do they thrust us out privily? Nay, verily, but let them come themselves and fetch us out. And the sergeants told these words unto the magistrates, and they feared when they heard that they were Romans. And they came and besought them and brought them out and desired them to depart out of the city. And when they were out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia, and when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. May the Lord read, uh, bless the reading of this word. The title of this book given, at least by the translators, is called The Acts of the Apostles. We see, however, the apostles were really following the leading of the Holy Spirit. And it is the Holy Spirit, perhaps, that we should really focus on. This is really an account of the acts of the Holy Spirit in the lives of his people. From the very beginning, um, Jesus, in in, in Acts chapter 1, told them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, the disciples, the apostles, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Verse 8 says, But ye shall receive the Holy, receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And then in the very next chapter we know of the great day of Pentecost, 50 days after the Passover, when the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles in the upper room uh, on the day of Pentecost and a great sound of a rushing mighty wind and the Holy Spirit um, landing on the heads of the apostles uh, in the form of cloven tongues. And they began to speak in something like 15 different languages, languages, the wonderful works of God. The men there thought, what's going on? They're drunk. And Peter said, no, we're not drunk. It's only the third hour. It's only like nine o'clock in the morning. And uh, this is what was prophesied by uh, the prophet Joel, that in the last days God said, I will pour out my uh, spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions And your old men shall dream dreams, and on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And then he had a piercing sermon where he told them where this all came from, what happened in the last days, in the last uh, 50 days that Jesus Christ, you took, and by the predeterminate counsel of God, you slew with wicked hands. After this very powerful sermon, they turned to to Peter and said, What must we do? And Jesus says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive 
the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the predominant character, is the predominant person in the book of Acts and for that matter in the New Testament. And the Holy Spirit is none other but the third person of the Godhead. What we would say is the Trinity, the triunity, the three in one God. And as we learned in uh, Bible class the other day, why was there, we don't know, the deep, deep reasons for God's existence as three in one, but one reason for sure that God loved Jesus the Son before the foundation of the world, before we were created. And in order to love, you need to have some, someone to love. So within the Trinity, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, there was this perfect um, circle of love where they loved each other. And God is love. That's his nature. That is his character. And anything that goes against that character, we need to really double-check to see whether it's true or not. In Acts chapter 16, we come across another example of the acts of the Holy Spirit. And you notice, as we read through, on two or three occasions, who was the one giving direction to the Apostle Paul and to Timothy, Timotheus? It says, Then they came to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman which was a Jewess, and believed. This disciple believed. His mother was a Jew, and his father was a Greek. And Timotheus was well reported of by the brethren. He had a good reputation. Um, reported of by the brethren at Lystra and Iconium, him would Paul uh, take and go forth with him, and he circumcised him because of the Jews. Uh, if you go further on into Acts chapter 21, the apostle Paul, it appears, was falsely accused that he took with him a man by the name of Trophimus uh, into the temple who was a Gentile, uncircumcised. And because of that, he was brought to court. And because of that, he resulted in going to Rome. And because of that, he lost his life in Rome. Tradition says that he was beheaded after appearing, I think, the third time before Nero in judgment. But Paul didn't allow circumstances to deter his calling. He was called by Christ he said, I was called from my mother's womb by Christ to be an apostle to the Gentiles. And so he takes Timothy in order to not cause controversy. He circumcises or has him circumcised to, so that it would not be a barrier to preaching the gospel even to the Jews in, in, the, in the temple. Paul was a man of um, integrity. He said what he meant, and he, and he meant what he said. He says in, in, in 1 Corinthians 9, he says, To the Roman I was a Roman, to the Jew I was a Jew. Yea, I have become all things to all men, if I by any means may win some, or may gain some. 
So he didn't circumcise Timothy in order to fulfill the law, in order to say that you must be circumcised to be justified before God in fulfilling the law, but he took them because of the Jews. And if there was anything that would remove barriers so that the gospel could have free course, the Apostle Paul would do it. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and the elders which were at Jerusalem. And if you go back to Acts chapter uh, 15, the issue of the Jew and the Gentile was a big issue throughout the days of Paul. Many of the letters that he wrote were, were in response to the controversy between Jew and Gentile. The Jews did not readily accept Gentiles into the church because they felt that the Gentiles were not elect. They were not called. You know, Abraham was given the promise. Abraham was was given the promise in Genesis 12, 15 and and onward that through his seed, the, the, the nations of the world will be blessed. And they took that literally, that their children of Abraham, what are the Gentiles doing here? And if they do proselytize them, then they must keep the law. They must circumcise their children. They must go through all these purifications and ceremonial cleansings. And unless they did that, they weren't really true followers of Christ. Now the Apostle Paul, on several occasions, uh, kept the Jewish traditions. Uh, if you go back to uh, Acts chapter 21, he was in a hurry to get back to Jerusalem for this very feast of Pentecost. He wanted to get back for the feast of Pentecost, which was a Jewish tradition. And, um, but not because you know, he felt that if he didn't go, he wouldn't be fulfilling the law and therefore not be justified, but because it was his heritage. He still, he still felt that his brothers in the flesh, the Jews, he had a great responsibility for. And perhaps that was a good time to start, uh, continue to preach the gospel to his brothers that he agonized over. If you read Romans chapter 9, he said, I have this great burden in my heart. He wished himself that he could be accursed only if his Jewish brothers and sisters would believe in Jesus Christ. And so he took every opportunity to preach the gospel to the Jews. And he says in verse 5, And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. The churches, they didn't wait for a, a time of peace, a time where the Roman government would leave them alone or the Jews would leave them alone and say, let's wait until things settle down and then we'll preach the gospel. They preached the gospel in adversity when everything was against them. And, and as we see in this chapter, um, they, they follow what the Holy Spirit said. Um, in verse... Six. Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, they went through Phrygia, Galatia, and then they were going into Asia Minor, Turkey and so forth, and then the Holy Ghost said, stop, 
Don't go there yet. So they kept going until they had a confirmation from the Holy Spirit to, to stop, take another direction. And then they passed, they were come to Mysia, they assayed or tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. He said, stop, don't go there yet. And you see, well, how did they know that? What told them? Did they hear voices in their heads? Somehow the Holy Spirit gave them a conviction by being constant in prayer, constant in the word, constantly seeking the Father's will of what to do. God gave them this firm conviction. It may not be an audible voice. Sometimes it was, as we'll see as we go on. But by being constantly in the Father's will, they could hear his voice. And we often refer to that as the still, small voice. The still, small voice. It's not a loud rattling in your ear, but something that speaking to you, to me, as we take time to listen. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Take time. Take time away from your busy day, from your busy schedule, from the busyness of life, and stop and listen. And sometimes when our life is hectic and stressful and we become frustrated and and upset, we're really not following the Holy Spirit. We may be following what other people are saying. We may be following the latest trends. We may be following what other people are doing. We're thinking because what they're doing, they seem to have it together. I often, and when I go to work or when I'm at work or I'm on the train, and you see people and they're professional, they've got it together, they seem, they've, they've got their notepads out and they've got their iPads out and they've got their thing, uh, iPods in and, and, and I see them on their phones and I think, wow, they're busy people. But when I walk past them, they're playing Pac-Man or something like that. And they're keeping their mind busy with things, but very rarely do I see someone on the train reading their Bible. I see it. I'm thankful. But very rarely does anyone take time to be still and to know that he is God. And so the Holy Spirit again says, don't go. And then they pass through to Mysia and down to Troas. And then a vision appears. Now, now Apostle Paul sees something. In his mind's eye, he sees something that God has given him. And there is a man of Macedonia pray, and praying him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. The Apostle Paul could see this. And maybe they both saw that, Timothy and Paul. And there was a confirmation. And so they go over into Macedonia. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavoured to go to Macedonia, assuredly gathering 
that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. God had opened the doors. The, the promise that Jesus gave in Acts chapter 1 was beginning to evolve. You will start in Jerusalem. You will continue in the province where Jerusalem is contained, Judea. Then you'll go to Samaria further north. And then you'll go to the uttermost parts of the world. And Macedonia was a new frontier now. Philippi was the chief city of Macedonia. So they go to Macedonia after the vision was revealed to them. And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of the part of Macedonia and a colony of the Romans, and we were in that city abiding certain days. They stayed there waiting for God to reveal something to them. They could have been there one day and said, nothing's happening. I don't know why God called us here. Maybe there was a mistake. But they were assuredly uh, gathered in their hearts that God had called them for a reason. And then after several days, after several days, they came, they went out to the uh, river by the city. If I remember correctly, it was called the Ahava, where prayer was needed to be made. And they sat down and they began speaking to certain women which were resorting there. And you never know who you may talk to. You never know who you may open the gospel to. And you never know how they may be, may be receptive towards it. There was this, just this morning we were just driving in at the intersection coming out of the ramp from, west, from the 401 and there's this same lady that was there. You've probably seen her. She's uh, canvassing for money. And in my mind, every other time I've seen her, I probably thought she's probably an alcoholic, needs more money for her to support her, this, her habit. And, uh, but she was there and had lots of time. So I wound the window down and I decided to give her $2. And I said, maybe, you know, you need to spend this wisely. Would you spend it wisely? And she said to me, well, I only buy groceries with this. You say, yeah, right, you know, you think in your mind. She said, actually, she confessed to me, she said, I'm not homeless. I live at Kipling and whatever. I forget what the other street was. But I said, uh, well, make sure you, 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 if you're looking for help, you go seek help with God. God's going to help you. She said, well, I, I go to, sometimes I used to go to Kingdom Hall. Jehovah Witnesses. And I said, you know what? Um, seek a good Christian church. She said, well, I used to go to this prayer palace. And I said, you know what? The best thing for you, I said, the best thing for you that's going to give you the most help is you read your Bible. Read your Bible. I said, you know, just the other day, somebody gave me a Bible. And uh, yeah, that's what I do. I read the Bible. And I thought, I judge that woman. Before I thought she was, who knows what, whether her story was right or not. I can have reasons to believe because she confessed she wasn't homeless. But you never know when you open up to somebody what that person, how that person may receive the word. 
We tend to judge people, we tend to, to write them off and say, no, that one's not going to, looks like he's not a likely candidate, I won't waste my time or money or effort. But God doesn't describe the gospel that way. In Matthew 13, he said, a sower went forth to sow. And he strewed the seed. Some fell by the wayside, some fell on stony places, some fell amongst thorns, and some fell on good ground. Our job is not to convert people. Our job is to sow the seed. 1 Corinthians 3, he says, I sowed, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. And so here Paul sees these women on the side of the bank of the river and he opens up a conversation. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, that city in Revelation which was received a very bad report from Jesus Christ, the church. This city Lydia was in and it says she worshipped God how would Paul have known that she worshipped God they happened didn't say that they were there praying it says where prayer was want to be made it could have been the apostles that wanted that needed to have their prayer uh, in the morning but it says but she worshipped God and she heard us hearing us she received the seed and the seed fell on good ground in brackets, whose heart the Lord opened, and she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. In this chapter, there are two conversions, actually more. There are two examples of conversions. One by God with Lydia, and maybe the women, and the other one with the Philippian jailer and his household. One was a very drastic conversion. The earthquake, the shackles falling off the hands of the apostles, the singing at midnight, the, 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 the Philippians uh, 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 jailer that wanted to kill himself because he had let go the, 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 the prisoners. And then there was Lydia, who just happened to be there on a particular morning, probably seeking God in her heart, but not knowing the truth or how to, to find him. And then Paul speaking to her, and very plainly and simply, in half a verse it says, whose heart the Lord opened, and she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. The next verse says, and when she was baptized when she was baptized. You know, when Paul writes these gospels, uh, the letters, should I say, which is, many people say, uh, are the gospel according to Paul, he's, he writes things like First Romans, uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. It's the word. The power is in the word. The power is not in the sower. The power is in the word. 
In Romans chapter 10, Paul wrote this as well. And I believe that uh, when he wrote this, the Bible says that every word of God is given by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Inspiration is not dictation. Paul did not sit there and get a dictation from God. He was inspired. And God used his experiences, God used his Holy Spirit, and God used um, the vessel Paul. And, and as he led him through these experience, Paul was inspired to, to believe, to know by experience and by the Holy Spirit's teaching that salvation comes through the word of God. And then he writes, as he wrote in Romans 1, he writes in Romans chapter 10. It says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? How can Lydia call on Jesus Christ if she has not believed on him? How shall they believe on him who they have not heard? How can Lydia believe in Jesus Christ if she hasn't heard of Jesus Christ? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how can Lydia hear the word of God if Paul the Apostle did not come? Or somebody else after him? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Did you know that the word apostle means the sent ones? Those that were sent? Jesus chose 12 apostles in Matthew chapter 10. And he sent them out two by two. And he gave them power over spirits and demons. And he told them to preach the things of the kingdom of God. And some they will turn away, and some they will stone, and some they will do this and do that. And you will not cover all the cities in Israel until the Son of Man come again. Paul was an apostle. He was called by Christ, sent by Christ, and he said, How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. The, the kingdom of God is not complicated. The kingdom of God is not... Um, so hard that it's impossible for men to enter. It's impossible if we do not have the gospel. It's if, impossible if the Holy Spirit is not the one that is, that is working in our lives and in our hearts. It's impossible. Jesus said in, I think it was Matthew 19, when the rich young ruler came to him and said, Good master, what shall I do that I could inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus says, You know the commandments? And he said, Yeah, I do. I've known them since I was a child. He says, One thing you lack, though. He said, Go sell everything that you have. Give to the poor and come follow me. And at this saying... 
the rich young ruler was sad, and he went away sad. And in another gospel, it says that Jesus loved him. Jesus all, asked, all Jesus asked him to do was, come and spend your life following me. Even if that means giving up everything you have, but follow me. Does that mean that that man would have be now poor and have nothing and can't survive? Who actually feeds him? Who actually feeds you and me? I'm reminded of a very, uh, little bit of a, even a comical story when Brother Dushko um, Malenkovic told me when they were in prison and they said because they, they wouldn't bear arms to go to fight because they believed in loving their enemies and Brother Dushko's faith and those that were with him was that they would not work on the Sunday, that they would leave that day of rest and worship the Lord. And so the guard says, you don't want to work Sundays? See if your God will feed you on Sunday. So while everyone went through the line, they were commanded to stand over the distance and watch them all eat. And after a long, long time, the guard said, see, Who's going to feed you? I'm going to show you who's going to feed you. I'm going to feed you. And they put him to the line. And they says, now you give them men double. I'll show you that I'm going to feed you. Guess who won? They got their double portion. Even with the evil hearts of the guards. When we think that we have our lives in control and that we can do what we want, when we want, how we want, and we think that we have the greatest fulfillment in that, and in the end we look back and see where we've gone and see the hurts and the destruction and the pain and the suffering that we've gone through, then we realize that we really didn't have our lives in control. But when we see those that have given their lives over to God and have trusted in him, believing that God will provide all their needs in Christ Jesus, there's victory and in the end there's eternal life with the Father. God said... Writing to Timothy through the Holy Spirit, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, All those that live godly shall suffer persecution. If you live godly, you will suffer persecution. You will come to a point where you need to make a decision. And we heard it on Thursday again. You need to make a decision whether you're going to love your God with all your heart, mind, soul, the strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Or are you going to love your father, mother, brother, sister, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever you want to call it, more than God?
You need to make that decision. If you make a decision for the good, for the, for the right cause, for the right reasons, you will suffer persecution. You will suffer um, injustice. You will suffer mockery. You will suffer resistance. Just this uh, past uh, week, I decided to look up the address of my son's uh, new father-in-law in Germany. So I looked it up on the internet because we wanted to have it in our book. We did, the time differences are great and it's hard for us to communicate. So I decided to look up and I came up across a document. And the document was all about how he had tried, his, great, his father had tried to apply for permanent citizenship in, in Germany. It was a historical document. Someone had stored it on the internet. And he had tried twice and they turned him down. And the third time he appealed, it was recorded. It was translated, of all things, into English. This document was 60 years old. About 1952, 50. But it's there. And it's there as a witness. Because in this document was written why he was applying for asylum in Germany. And in the document was written that he was fleeing persecution in Yugoslavia because every time that they wanted uh, to get on with their life, they were called up to go to prison. And they listed his brothers, one, two, three, four. And they, showed, they tried to prove to the German government that going back to Yugoslavia is is sending them back to, to difficulties and, and hardship. And the German government said, no, uh, there's an amnesty. Uh, they're abiding by the Geneva Convention. They've, they, they've agreed to this. They've signed it. They won't do this. And they said, oh, no. We have, we, we have, we have evidence. They assigned this brother three years. And when he finished, they assigned him another three years in prison. And this other brother they assigned for four years. And when he was finished, another three years. And they assigned this brother ten years. And they cut it down to five years. And one after the other. And to us it may appear as a legal document. But when the people of this world read it, they see that they were brothers that, that, that suffered for their convictions that did not love their lives. <clears throat> Jesus said, In Matthew 16, speaking to Peter and the disciples, but Peter, because Peter denied 
Peter resisted Jesus in this chapter. says in verse 20, Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time forth, he began Jesus to show unto his disciples that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offence, a trap for me. Thou savourest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works." Jesus is saying, what will you give in exchange for your life? What could there be that is so great worth, that is so magnificent, so fulfilling, so grandiose, that you would exchange this short, fleeting span of years of maybe 30, 40, 60, 80, even if you live to 120? What could it be that you would do to exchange for an eternity with God in his glory. The Bible says of those that were persecuted and died for the name of Christ that they loved not their lives unto death. The Philippian jailer was about to take his life when he saw the miracle, the the earthquake, the drama, and he realized that his life is now on the line with the Roman government because his prisoners, he thought, had escaped. He's ready to plunge his heart with his knife, with his sword. And Paul says, do yourself no harm. Don't do yourself any harm. We're here. We're here. You can take us again if you want. We're here. When the jailer saw this and saw that there was no fear in Paul and Silas, no fear because they had a God that was greater than all, he trembled, fell out his feet and said, what must I do to be saved? Because he knew that Paul was saved. Because only a saved person, only one that is on God's side, could have no fear when he could have been recaptured. It humbled him 
And he said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and your house and you will be saved. And the same day, Paul, the jailer took Paul, washed his stripes, repented of his sin and he was baptised. And that jailer became a church member at the church of Philippi to which Paul wrote later. Lydia was there. The jailer was there, their families, perhaps some of the women on the river bank were there. And that's how that little church started. My prayer is that every one of us will sit down, take time, be still, know that He is God, know that. Only in God can we ever be fulfilled and ever have a glorious life, not only on this earth, but in in the courts of glory to come. And if we sit still and we ask ourselves, where do I go from here? The Holy Spirit will tell us. The Word of God will tell us and will not disagree with the Holy Spirit. And our lives will be assured as it was for the apostles. To him be the glory evermore. Amen. Isaiah 35 says that the way of the Lord is so simple that the fool and wayfaring man could not err. We make it complicated when we try to justify why I shouldn't follow Christ or what is wrong with the teachings or perhaps Christ didn't really mean what he said. The teachings of Christ are very simple. To the rich young ruler, he said, just sell everything and follow me. And Jesus then turned to his disciples after the rich young ruler walked away and he said, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God. And those riches doesn't have to be Monetary riches. It could be that God has endowed you with beauty, with charisma, with a career. Whatever that is that keeps you clinging on and refusing to let go and cling to Christ. It says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to inherit the kingdom of God. But with God, all things are possible. And I pray that God will open your heart as God opened the heart of Lydia. And that you will turn to him and cling on to what is truly rich, what is truly worth and valuable. May God bless his word to us. To him be the glory evermore. Amen. This concludes our service.